everyone. I hope you're having an amazing blessed day. Today we are here with a podcast. Now in today's episode in the series of looking through the eyes of Christopher Boone, we are going to be talking about environments and how those environments affect people with autism, specifically children with autism. So let's jump right into it. So to begin, let's define what autism is, right? Since this is the first episode, we should be able to, you know, lay a foundation for ourselves. So according to AutismSpeaks.org, it says autism or autism spectrum disorder, ASD, refers to a broad range of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, speech, and nonverbal communication. According to the Centers for the Disease control, autism affects an estimated 1 in 54 children in the United States today. So that is our foundation of what autism is. It's a disorder that mainly affects, you know, social skills, repetitive behaviors, and speech and communication. So now that we have that foundation laid, I also want to define for you what neurodiversity is, because that's going to be a key topic to this entire series. So neurodiversity, the definition is the variation and differences in neurological structure and function that exists among human beings, especially when viewed as being normal and natural rather than pathological. Now, it's important to understand neurodiversity is because when we talk about autism, it's kind of hard to compare them to people without using the word normal. Because to us, normal people, you know, have decent social skills, they communicate decently and all that. But neurodiversity shows that it's, you know, common to have people that respond differently to different situations and with autism their neurodiversity is very unique and it's important to take note of that so before we go into you know this episode's topic about environments i want to talk about my personal experiences with autism since again this is the first episode you're getting to know me so i just want to show you the viewpoint i am coming from so growing up I didn't really know what autism was for a very long time. Now, I'm sure I met people with some form of neurodiversity, with some form of autism. They were on the spectrum, but growing up, I just didn't really care. I just wanted to play. If you could throw a ball, then I was like, bet, okay, let's play. You want to play tag? You want to jump rope? Like, I was just the type of kid that didn't really care about those things growing up. And the first you know, memory of an encounter I had with an autistic person wasn't until I was in sixth grade, not because I didn't meet them, but because that was the first time someone, you know, was telling me, hey, this person has autism. So I'm going to share that story real quick with you. So it's not some extravagant, very special story. It's very simple. Basically, what happened was I was getting a ride from someone. She was an adult bringing me to youth group and she was babysitting this 16 year old and at the time like I said I was in sixth grade and she was just telling me in advance hey like this person might ask you a lot of questions might be you know acting a little different but it's because they have autism and 
exactly what she said happened. They just asked a lot of questions and that was that. And then I was brought to youth group. So it was a very simple, very, you know, casual encounter. But that was the first time I ever really was like, wow, there are people out there with autism. Wow, there are people out there with some form of neurodiversity. And so after that, especially since I was in sixth grade, you know, starting to understand that people are different, I really saw that, like, I became more aware of mental disorders, of neurodiversity. And this is a part of growing up when you think about it. Because as a kid, you know, you probably don't care as much. You're just more focused on having fun. But then as you start getting older, especially in middle school, you start becoming aware of people's differences in a good and bad way. So praise the Lord that I am a patient and understanding person because I have seen people that respond to, you know, people with autism or neurodiversity in a bad way. But, you know, for me personally, I am very understanding of them. I'm very patient with them. And I just, you know, I don't get overwhelmed or frustrated with them because I understand. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But, you know, continuing talking about, you know, my experiences, sometimes I still kind of think to myself, like, am I like treating them the right way? And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes in my head, I'm like, should we like treat them like differently? Or should we treat them like I treat everybody else? You know, that's a very big topic to talk about, which I won't be discussing too much in today's podcast. But I do want to mention it real quick. Because you know, when you think of this idea of neurodiversity, you don't want to baby them just because they're different you don't want to you know treat them like they're special because they're a human being they deserve respect and they be treated right but at the same time if you treat them like you treat everyone else they may not respond like other people do and so it's very important to balance that idea of not treating them like they're dumb not treating them like they're babies but instead treating them like human beings and just being understanding of how they maybe, you know, respond differently to different situations or different words or actions. And we can see this very, very much in Christopher's life, in the story, The Curious Incident of a Dog in the Nighttime. So again, the reason why I was telling you about my personal experience is so that you can understand the lens I am looking through, so that you can understand the perspective I have, and so that you could better understand why react to, you know, Christopher's story in a certain way. So let's talk about Christopher's autism and then talk about, you know, environments. Going back to the definition of autism, it says challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, speech, and nonverbal communication. And we can see each one of these very clearly in Christopher's life and in his story. And, you know, the book never straight out says he has autism. But because of these characteristics, we can safely assume and draw a conclusion that he has autism. So with social skills, some examples of his social skills is how he hates strangers. It takes him a very long time to trust anyone and to open up to them. He hates big crowds. He gets social anxiety. He hates being touched. He sometimes even screams when he's being touched or freaks out or will hit someone. So some repetitive behaviors he has is very clear 
throughout the novel that he loves counting. He loves solving equations in his head. And it's not that just that he loves it and that he likes it, but it actually calms him down and actually really, you know, just allows his anxiety to be at bay. And something else that we can see, we're going to talk about this more later, but when he was at the train station, he was counting his footsteps going left, right, left, right to calm himself down. So these are some repetitive behaviors that he had and all of them, you know, were mainly something to help him calm down. So communication, I kind of mentioned this earlier with social skills, but he screams when he is overwhelmed or he'll hit someone when they do something that he doesn't like. Also, when someone has a certain facial expression, he doesn't always understand what it means. It talks about in the novel how when someone raises an eyebrow, it can mean that, you know, something inappropriate or it can mean that they're just, you know, confused at you or anything else. Those type of things confuse him. He doesn't understand how to know what means what. And also, he is very blunt when he speaks. And what I mean by that is he doesn't, you know, add all these fancy words, metaphors. No, he just says, you know, the facts. He says, my name is Christopher Boone. I am this many days, hours, years old, seconds old. And he's very, you know, strategic in the way he speaks he doesn't add all these fancy things and on top of that he adds in the novel how he doesn't like to lie and he doesn't he likes being honest he actually says in in the novel that he's always honest which can be debated but he says that he's always honest because when he thinks about lies there's so many possibilities so many you know possible answers of the lie and say that it overwhelms his head and that he has sensory overload So before we talk about Christopher's environments, let's talk about environments in general with autistic children specifically. So while doing my research, I came across AutismSociety.org and the article says, talks a lot about, you know, the environments for autistic children. The title of the article was Environmental Modifications for Children with Autism how to shape the environment to boost success. So this entire article was talking about the importance of creating a safe environment for kids with autism. And, you know, this shows how impactful one's environment has on an autistic person. Their environment truly does impact the way they act and their behavior. And in the article, it talks about things like lighting, colors, safe spaces slash rooms where they can cool down in and, you know, lose their anger. They talk about locks so their kids don't wander away and a workspace and all sorts of things in environments to allow it to be a place where the autistic child can feel safe and comfortable and not overwhelmed by anything. Something that really stood out to me about it was the colors part, how certain colors truly do have an impact on the way kids respond and the way they feel. And, you know, this is very apparent in the novel because Christopher hates the colors yellow and brown. So if he was in a room with brown paint, clearly he wouldn't be comfortable. Clearly he would be, you know, frustrated and getting, you know, overwhelmed. And so it shows you that even small things like colors, lighting, they truly can have a huge impact on an autistic child. 
another article I read from nationalhealthservice.uk. An article named children with autism may be super sensitive to change. Now, this article was very interesting to me. And, you know, some things really stood out to me and some things I was just like, what the heck is this talking about? But the part that, you know, stood out to me, it was very, you know, shining bright to me when I read it. I'm going to read you the little section. It says, the study found the autistic rats, talking about an experiment, showed signs of anxiety and withdrawal when placed in unpredictable environments. So before I continue reading, that sentence alone shows you how, you know, being in an environment that's unpredictable, that's new, that's, you know, unique, isn't very good for autistic children. This is apparent through Christopher again when he was in new environments and the way he responded to it. And they were able to see this in, you know, their experiment with rats as well. And, you know, how did they find autistic rats? I'm not sure. Have to do more research on that. But, you know, what that statement says does line up with what we see in autistic children. I'm going to continue reading. It says, researchers compared the rats when they were put in one of the three environments, a standard cage or two types of enriched environments with toys and treats. One where these enrichments stayed one where these enrichments stayed the same and the other were changed unpredictably. Overall, they found the rats tended to do better in the predictable enriched environment than the standard or unpredictable enriched ones on various tests of sociability, behavior, and emotional responses. So what this entire research project found was basically put in that first sentence about how these unpredictable environments cause the rats to experience anxiety and, you know, being overwhelmed. And this is also true, like I said earlier, with autistic children, with Christopher, and we can see it is very apparent. So let's talk about the different environments specifically that Christopher faced in the novel and how those environments affected him. And now when we're talking about environments, we're not talking about just the physical place, but we're also talking about the people that are usually there and, you know, the situation that he's facing. And we're going to analyze the environment as a whole. So the first environment, the one of the most important ones, is home. Christopher's home in Swindell. So... In his home, he lives with his dad. He was there since he was born. And some things, some key things to note that he talks about in the novel, for one, is how he doesn't want any of the living room furniture moved at all. That's why they don't vacuum in there, apparently, because he gets really overwhelmed and frustrated when all of a sudden everything looks different. And, you know, let's talk about his dad a little more. You know, his dad's the one that lives with him. It's just him and his dad ever since his mom, quote unquote, died. And so his dad is very apparent that his dad understands Christopher. He seems very calm and slow to get angry. And he understands Christopher's quirks. He understands what Christopher likes and doesn't like. And he adapts to what Christopher you know, needs, which is really valuable for a parent, especially with an autistic kid, because it makes the environment safer for them. And later on, we're going to talk about how, you know, Christopher's mother was kind of the opposite, and she didn't make that safe environment, really. 
So continuing talking about, you know, Christopher's home, they had a garden, Christopher had his own room, and the only place that was off limits was his father's bedroom. And let's talk about how it impacted Christopher, how this environment impacted him. In his home, he felt very safe and calm because it was familiar to him. Keyword familiar. And his father, like I mentioned earlier, knew how to take care of him properly. So when he went home, he never had to feel, you know, unsafe. He never had to, you know, feel like he didn't know what to expect. Instead, he was calm because of how familiar it was. And there was a garden as well that he really loved to take care of, you know, to go outside. And so just as a whole, because he grew up there, because he knew it so well, it made him feel safe. And being with someone that understood him also helped him continue feeling safe. So the next environment I want to talk about is school. Now, his school is a special school for kids with neurodiversity, autism, and those sort of things. One key person we have to know from his school is Siobhan. Siobhan. She is a very key role in Christopher's life, I believe, because it's apparent through the novel that she really helps him in multiple ways. She helps him understand, you know, social skills a lot better. She helps him understand how to respond to different situations and how to respond properly to these situations. And it also seems like that she's not harsh with him. She's not you know, looking down upon him, but instead really lifting him up, really helping him out, really helping him grow. So she is a very key person at school that helps him, you know, whenever he starts getting frustrated, whenever he starts getting anxious, she is really there for him and makes school a safe environment for him. Now, there are still different situations that happen at school that frustrates him, like the different kids in their quirks sometimes frustrates him, like how some of them will pee their pants, it's how, you know, some of them will pull on his hair, little things like that will, you know, set him, you know, into a frustration, set him into, a, you know, being really frustrated and overwhelmed, but overall, school seems like a pretty good place for him. It's not perfect, but, you know, with Siobhan there, with his parents, you know, guiding him, it seems like he was really able to adapt to the different people there and really learn social skills. Now, something important to note is how he talks about how it takes him a long time to trust people. And he talks about specifically in his school, it took him a very long time to even talk to the staff. And after a long time of just, you know, being around them, he'll finally start talking to them. And after finally starting talking to them, after a long time, he would finally trust him. So it was a big adjustment for him being in this school because of his trust issues, because of his social differences. It took him a while to fully be comfortable. But like I mentioned, it's a really good place for him to be learning those social skills that he needs and to be adapting and learning how to be in a unique environment where not everything is super predictable. So also, just a you know, fun fact, a little side note, is that the school also gave him the opportunity to do A-levels math, which was really great for him because that made school even more desirable to him since he loves math so much. So overall, how did this environment impact Christopher? It allowed him to practice his social skills daily and allowed him to improve on how he reacted to different situations. Now, I want to know, 
Siobhan also helped with this, like I said earlier. There was one specific incident where a girl pulled his hair and he hit her in response. And then Siobhan taught him, whenever you feel like hitting someone, first count to this number or first do these equations and then you'll calm down. And that really helped him a lot. And you can see through the novel that whenever he starts getting overwhelmed, he will count. So it shows him the good social skills that he's learning him and good life skills that he is gaining. So the next environment we are going to talk about is the train station. So at the train station, you know, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but he was very overwhelmed with this environment. And the reason was because of it, because he was overwhelmed, was because there were so many unpredictable things and so many things that were giving him sensory overload. Some examples are the crowds. There were so many people that he didn't know, and he already doesn't like strangers, but with crowds, how noisy it was, it was just so much for him. On top of that, there were a lot of stores, a lot of signs everywhere, and he's the type of person that likes to pay attention to every little detail. But because he's like that, when there's so many details to look at, he gets overloaded with information, and it causes causes him to get overwhelmed very, very easily. So all these things put together, the unfamiliarity of where he is just allows him to not feel safe at all in the environment. They feel very overwhelmed, feel very scared. And it's not a good situation for him. It's not a good place for him mentally. He just feels so scared. And the only reason why he stayed there the only reason why he continued, you know, traveling in the train station is because he was also, you know, scared of home at the time because of what his dad did. And, you know, let's mention that real quick. You know, he was running away from home because he was afraid of his dad and felt like he couldn't stay home because his dad, you know, would hurt him. And that shows you how much impact a person has on his environment. A person really does tie in so much to an autistic person's environment because they will be un- feel unsafe in a place they used to feel so calm and relaxed at because of a single person. So the train station is a very simple you know, location, but has a lot to show you about how he gets overwhelmed by those things. So overall, how it impacted Christopher, how the train station impacted him, is that it made him very scared, very overwhelmed. He literally held onto his army knife, already like the knife sticking out because he was so on edge and he had a lot of sensory overload. So this environment, like we talked about in that experiment with the rats, the unpredictability of the environment just made him terrified and was not a good place for him mentally at all. So the last location environment that I want to talk about is London, specifically, you know, his home with his mother. Now, London was very unfamiliar to him. I don't believe he ever even went to London before. And on top of that, you know, he was already kind of on the edge from what happened at the train station. So when he got to London, when he got to his mother's apartment, you know, the people that lived there was his mother and her lover, Roger, her boyfriend, Roger, whatever he is, now ex by the end of the novel. So I really want to go into detail about his mom, not only about her in London, but her when she used to live with him and his father. She honestly 
does not take care of him well and does not know how to properly take care of him with all his quirks because she talks about it in the novel how she is very short-tempered is not very patient unlike her you know ex-husband Christopher's father she you know used to get very upset with Christopher when he would respond or act in a way that she didn't like or she didn't understand and they used to yell at each other they used to throw things at each other when she lived in Swindon because they didn't understand each other they didn't communicate well and because of this you know it led her to even leaving home because she felt so useless to that family because she felt like the father and son would be better off on their own. So in London, you can still see that the mother doesn't really know how to properly take care of Christopher. He's already on edge from the new environment. He doesn't trust Roger. So when he's in the house, he doesn't feel fully safe. And it talks about in the novel how when they were in London, the mother tried taking him to the store and there were too many people. So he got overwhelmed and he started, you know, screaming and shouting and he literally was shouting and screaming the entire way home. And she should have learned by now because that happened when he was a kid, too. But it shows you that she doesn't really know how to take care of him properly. She puts him in situations in different environments that are not good for him and that he doesn't respond well to so when he's in London he's put in different situations that make him uncomfortable he's already uncomfortable as it is and it just gets worse because his mother isn't treating him properly and she has the love for him she wants to do better but she has a lot to learn and a little side note there's no garden at the apartment in London so Christopher is not happy about that but overall London, let's talk about how London impacted Christopher, the environment impacted him. He kind of did nothing there when you think about it, except, you know, see his mom and then end up going back home. He didn't really do much. And he was, you know, scared during the time there, his stay there. He was very uncomfortable. And like I said earlier, his mom didn't do much to help him feel better. She tried. She really did. But she was not very successful. So... Looking at all these environments, looking at the articles I mentioned earlier, the definition of autism and neurodiversity, to draw it all to a conclusion, different environments and situations truly did impact Christopher and how he acted significantly. And this shows how we need to be aware of our environment, not just for us, not just for safety reasons, but also if we're with someone with a neurodiversity, we need to be aware of what can, you know, set them into sensory overload or set them into a frustration and really be aware of how we can make a safe environment for them at home, when you're hanging out with them, when you're at school, wherever and whenever. This allows us to be better educated on how to treat someone with a mental disability. So in order to understand people better, the main thing you need to do besides online research is to just communicate with them learn how to communicate with them and understand their quirks. And then you could be better than Christopher's mother understanding what they need and what they do and don't like. So yeah, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have an amazing, blessed rest of your day. Bye everyone.